Our very existence depends on this. Black strength. Strength that has carried us for decades, but is undermining an important aspect of our humanity, feeding in on itself. Being strong all the time took away our ability to speak about our weaknesses, our sadness, our mental illnesses. This silence is killing us. Welcome to another edition of the Black Doctor Speak podcast. Black Doctor Speak is your source for vetted, accurate information on African-American health from some of the nation's top doctors and is sponsored by the African-American Wellness Project. Our first guest today is Ms. Kimmy Watkins-Tart. She's the Public Health Director for Alameda County, California. She has over 25 years of experience as a public health professional and is dedicated to improving population health through policy change and evidence-based programs. Throughout her illustrious career, she served in a variety of roles, from health educator to researcher and administrator. Ms. Watkins-Tart is passionate about developing innovative strategies to improve the quality of life for residents in our county. She works to build strong partnerships with local government agencies, healthcare providers, nonprofit organizations, faith-based groups, families, and individuals to create sustainable solutions that will help make this county safer and healthier. Kimmy Watkins, start. Welcome to our program. Uh, you may not have known it, but a conversation that I had with you about a year and a half was probably one of the most important conversations that I've had uh, in my in my career as it relates to healthcare disparities. Uh, we talked about patient responsibility, and you told me not to fall into the trap and blame the patient, but look at the system more critically. Uh, and because you know of your reputation, and because I know that you you care about the whole system and people within the system, uh, I said, let me take a look at this. And what I found in my exploration was that if you look at any chronic disease that Black people have, and you look at the difference between their outcomes and the outcomes of other ethnic groups, it always boils down to what happens in the system not what happens necessarily before that, not what happens with exercise or diet or social determinants. Much of it is what happens within the system. And so then we changed course within our nonprofit. We do do wellness and we talk about wellness, but we really focus in on those aspects of the system that are different for African-Americans as opposed to other Americans. And so I thank you for that. That changed my whole perspective on the system and we've changed our whole dynamic of the African-American Wellness Project. I just had a conversation with a reporter about an article that the Kaiser Foundation uh, published that says that black people dress up uh, in order to go to the doctor to reduce bias. And uh, so I, I had to explain to him that I don't care what black people wear when they go into the system, they face a discriminatory, disrespectful system in many instances and aren't prepared and that's what our organization does. So I thank you for that. And I think that because of that, I think we've been far more successful as a nonprofit in that space than we would have been without your advice. So thank you very much. Thank you. I'd like to go back just to kind of return now to the COVID epidemic. Can you tell me when your department recommended uh, the uh, recognize that this was going to be a pandemic? What has public health learned uh, through this process, and what are you going to do about it and to get ready for the next one? Mm -hmm. You know, I've had an opportunity to think a lot about this question about the lessons learned. And what I'll say is, 
in terms of when we knew that COVID was really serious, it would have been in March of 2020 is when we really knew that this was serious. The numbers were climbing and we had our first uh, shelter in place order in the Bay Area in March. And so it was then that we knew this was not like anything else we had ever seen before. And I can honestly say that we knew that we were not situated to respond to the increasing numbers, but we learned, I learned with every day that passed, the impact that the years, the decades of disinvestment in public health, how those uh, disinvestments were going to really impact us. It was not entirely clear at the beginning exactly how fragile, I'm going to say, our public health system was. And so um, I learned that, you know, you cannot pour a lot of resources. I mean, you can, but it's really hard to pour a lot of resources into uh, a structure that is dry docked or that is, if you will, is it's not capable doesn't have enough strength and girth to be able to handle um, what, what, what is being called for. And so um, even though we got a lot of resources from the federal government, from the state, uh, local, to address the pandemic, and, and this is not just the Alameda County Public uh, Health Department and Public Health System, this was seen across the country. Um, those financial resources were incredibly helpful, and it was also very hard to make use of those resources very quickly because many of our public health departments were just not uh, structured. We were not set up to actually handle the influx of not only the cases, but even the resources to address it. Um, and so long disinvestment, it hurts us in the long run. And I think that there's a parallel between the disinvestment in public health and the disinvestment that exists in communities of color and in particularly in, in, uh, in black communities, not exclusively in black communities, but definitely this happens in African-American communities. The disinvestment in our schools, in housing, in jobs, the whole nine yards, and that little spurts of, of resources can't even be integrated in appropriately. And so that same thing happened to us in public health. And this happens oftentimes to uh, the African-American community when there will be periods of additional resources. But when there are decades of disinvestment, it's really hard to make use, but we did make use of the resources. Um, that came to public health, but the disinvestment, that was a big lesson. And the second big lesson was that, although people didn't know really what we did as a public health department, um, COVID of course was a, a great opportunity for people to learn more uh, about uh, what we do. And I walked away from the experience with a renewed appreciation 
for public-private partnerships. I walked away with a new appreciation for community involvement and civic engagement, um, and uh, a new appreciation for the role that public health plays. I always knew it, but it, this renewed that for me, that yeah, okay, what we do is critical, it's important, and we do this in partnership with people in the community. Uh, do you think that, and I, I'm kind of observed the uh, discussion about masking over the last month uh, within the uh, health department uh, and other departments. Do you think we relaxed too soon? Uh, and what steps have you taken that you that will prepare you for what obviously will be another challenge, not just with this virus, but maybe with others? Right. So, um... I think this is also a lesson that we learned is that there are benefits of uh, health officer orders. And so our county health officer uh, has the responsibility and the authority to issue health orders. Um, and there are benefits for health orders. But that has to be balanced against what people can handle, what people will uh, support, what can be enforced, all of those things. And we learned a lot about the delicate balance between issuing a health order and then really our ability to enforce it and how much support we have for that. Because if everyone around you, and we saw this in certain communities across the country, when everyone around you is in disagreement with that health order. It would be hard to actually have it stand. And so it's not something that can happen by itself. Everyone around us has to be a supportive of this. Elected officials have to be supportive. Law enforcement has to be supportive. Other people, other entities and stakeholders have to be supportive. Our county has always taken an education first stance around this because we believe that that's more sustainable, long lasting, to educate people around the importance of whatever it is we want uh, them to do. We're at a moment now where um, we are balancing again. Um, the, the last of the uh, restrictions are going to be coming down by the state and our county along with others are still weighing the benefits of a health order against not having one and what is needed for the community's health and safety, particularly in those sensitive settings like healthcare facilities and uh, long-term care facilities and what's sustainable over time. COVID is not going away we will be with COVID for some time to come. And so now we're not so much just looking for how do we keep it tamped down in the moment, we're looking at the long game. And so what's sustainable? And we really do believe that education is sustainable. Engaging people to our way of thinking is sustainable. Um, but we haven't made a decision uh, quite yet. Uh, we're still weighing that out here in our county. Well, you know, we have learned uh, in our particular program 
then we have to be far more directive if we're to be valuable. That means I have to tell people basically what I think. Uh, and I think in this situation, I, I kind of agree with you. There are some human components that need to be taken into consideration when you make uh, public health directives. Uh, but at the same time, I tell people, you know, if you think you need a mask, get one. If you're going somewhere where you think you need it, put one on. And that social distancing and using a mask still has a, a very valuable way to prevent the spread of not only uh, the virus to you, but to people that you love who may be more vulnerable. I look at the studies that say 97% of school children probably already had COVID. And so consequently, we are not in the same situation. But I say, if your judgment tells you that this is a place like a basketball game, or a big crowd or uh, close quarters for uh, other things or transportation, then you need to wear a mask. Mm -hmm. uh, and I believe that, but I do accept your point and I recognize the careful balancing act that, um, that the public health department has to play. Another question uh, and, then, and certainly something that challenges us all. You know, once you ask a big system to talk to its group of people that it's responsible for, especially one that has never been engaged in the community, never been out there, people don't know, uh, then this whole issue of trust becomes an issue and the issue of hesitancy. Uh, how did the public health department deal with that? And especially, how are we gonna deal with that in terms of vaccinating children? Right. So you're absolutely correct that um, trust really came up uh, in a very big way uh, during um, our pandemic response and our public health department was not uh, immune to the lack of trust that many residents have in government right now. Um, I think we were fortunate though in Alameda County that we have a practice of working in partnership with community-based organizations and community partners to um, carry out public health work. And so we were able to work with community partners to implement the work. We were able to partner with organizations around case and contact investigation in the very beginning to do outreach and health education. And then when a vaccine was made available, we were able to partner with community organizations and other stakeholders to get people vaccinated. And we relied on those partnerships with organizations, with residents who were trusted messengers to help educate people, help build trust in the community around the vaccine. Uh, and we're doing the same around the treatment. Uh, people still are hesitant to get vaccinated, hesitant to accept treatment if they get COVID. And so trusted messengers are a critical part of how we do public health in Alameda County. And again, although there was a lot of distrust of government, we had relationships going into the pandemic. We would not have been able to create these relationships from scratch and have them be effective given what we had to do. These were existing relationships and they were absolutely critical to our success. And so we were very successful, although you know it's not as high as I would have liked for some of the different age groups. 
overall, the number of people vaccinated in Alameda County is, is really good. And I'm very proud of the work that we've done. So many questions, so little time. But thank you, Ms. Kimmy Watkins, start Public Health Director for Alameda County for joining us today. If you enjoyed our show, please remember to hit the subscribe button so that new episodes are delivered directly to you every week, as well as rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, listening to our show is as simple as telling your Alexa, Siri, or Google to play the Black Doctor Speak podcast. Take care, everyone.